everyone welcome to another episode of cranked and ranked i'm, I'm gonna be quick with it today uh i am your host uh, old head or steven and with me as always mr eddie sparks hello sir yo bam I'm, I'm moving quickly into this one just because i i feel excited to uh yeah to talk about the band we're gonna talk about today um Let's just because cocaine and hairspray yeah, I, yeah, I did. I did do a gigantic line of coke like right before we started this, and so um, I'm a little bit hyped up here um, uh, today. Uh, we're gonna be uh, jumping back into the '80s, into the glam uh, metal, hair metal, whatever you want to call it. I don't like calling it hair metal. Um, I usually just refer to it as '80s hard rock and metal because it's uh, it seems to to feel and sound like that period in time. Uh, the band we're gonna be uh, uh, ranking today is none other than the legendary hair, the the quintessential hair metal band, wouldn't you say? Uh, Poison, yeah. Poison. Um, their full discography, well, their full length albums are going to be ranked today, and I, for one, am very excited because I um, unapologetically love Poison, especially the uh, first few albums. Um, but they, they just, I don't know, for some reason, they just hold such a special place in my heart there. It's something that has never gotten old for me while also now it does sound, it does very, it sounds very dated, but, but at the same time, <laughs> it's just something that just brings me joy every time it never stops bringing me joy. Um, and so, uh, I'm excited to, to talk about poison. So for those of you who are new to this podcast, uh, cranked and ranked is essentially a, a podcast where me and my friend Eddie we take a band, we take their discography, and we both rank their albums from what we think is the least great to the most great, or in some cases the shittiest to the greatest. It depends on our uh, on the band, I guess. Um, but we're but anyway. So today it's 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 poison. And some of you may think there there are there are poison albums that aren't shitty. Well, fuck you. You can move on to listen to something else first off. But second off, um, <laughs> yes, there are plenty. There's plenty of great poison. Um, as we do most of the time, let's start off by talking about our poison story, like where it started for us. Now, poison is a is a a different band when it comes to how I got into them because. I would see Poison videos on MTV and on Headbangers Ball in the uh, in the late '80s, and it never really did anything for me. For some reason, mm. I was in to you know Cinderella and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi, but even Bon Jovi. But for some reason, Poison was the one band where I went, eh, it's just not doing anything for me in my you know my childhood you know, metal, hard rock brain, how it was soaking everything up. And then something happened in my teenage years where all of a sudden I went back. So this would have been in the 90s at a time where it wasn't cool at all to be listening to Poison. And I remember finally getting a copy of of uh, Open Up and Say Ah. And I just remember being like, 
this is one of the best albums ever made. And for some reason, it just <laughs> all of a sudden connected with me at a time where it was connecting with nobody else. Um, and then from that moment on, I've considered myself a Poison fan. But, but originally, when I heard their stuff, I was just like, it's fine, I guess. Um, so how about you, sir? I would say me getting into Poison was just a result of watching a shitload of like VH1 Sunset Strip documentaries and just <laughs> eventually succumbing to the Poison bug that just tends to happen when you get into hair metal or glam metal or pop metal. Yeah. And like for me, it's something that like makes me laugh is that because they are so um, light and cheery, Mm-hmm. They are like one of the public enemy number one band shirts to wear if you're a metalhead. And I proudly wore the yeah. poison shirt I'm currently wearing right now. Not only is he wearing Union. a poison shirt, it's one of those that are the more of the all over shirt. Like it doesn't cover the entire shirt, but the but the picture goes on to the sleeves <laughs> and everything. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a uh, it's pretty bold. Yeah, man. It was, um, and it's the only T-shirt that I can recall ever having. Like someone say the band name sucks. Like someone said, "Poison sucks" to me, and I was like, "You've not done enough cocaine, dude." And I just, <laughs> I've only and I just walked. I just walked away. Yeah. I, the only time I've ever had anybody say like anything like that about my shirts is is Metallica. I, I get that. Yeah, it's I get that sometimes where people just like Metallica sucks, and I'm just like. All right, <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> and they're, and they're proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah, and they're always like young people who look very not metal. Like they've just they yeah. just decided that <laughs> that they needed to yell that to me. I'm like, okay. Anyway, yeah. um, and it's funny because your shirt reminds me of, and this does fall into poison for me a little bit, where um, in like the early '90s, you would go to these stores in the mall, and they were. If you try to describe what the store was, I couldn't describe it to you because there wasn't like any one particular theme in these stores. And I don't even remember the name of the one that was in my neighborhood mall. But you would go in there and they had everything from uh, like, you know, the little thing with all the with like thousands of little needles and you can push your hand in it and it makes a little hand. Yeah. Print. And it had those. It had like uh, it had uh, lava lamps. It, this it had um, like the little there was a little flower that if you would play music the flower would start dancing, it, <laughs> and it had all this random shit. But it would also have some stuff from like various like boy bands or other things. And they used to sell these gigantic buttons. Like you would think of a button being maybe like you know an inch or two inches you know you know diameter or whatever. These were like yeah. more like a foot these big ass buttons that you would buy. And I remember wow. they had them for poison. That was one of the actual <laughs> rock bands that they made gigantic buttons of. Anyway, that's just, that's just what your shirt made me think of. <laughs> but it was a store that like, I knew you never bought anything at that store, but you would just walk around that store and like, look at stuff. It almost sounds like what eventually became like Spencer's. I don't know if they have a Spencer's in, in England, but Spencer's is a, got- a lot of novelty stuff. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say there's a there's a like supermarket chain over here called Marks and Spencer, and they are like the poshest of the posh next oh, to no, no. Waitrose. Yeah, polar opposite. <laughs> no, Spencer's Spencer's has like band T shirts, lava lamps, sex gear. 
<laughs> it's like oh yeah, we've got ones like that. There's 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 a couple where but it's I'm in the mall. From, it's in the mall though. <laughs> yeah, ours are ours are even sleazier. Ours are like back alley shit, and we have there's there's one called like Clarendon Imports. Uh, I th- I think there's quite a few of them. And I remember going into one, and at the front of the store, they have novelty toys yeah. and stuff. And then the further you go in, there's drug paraphernalia. Okay, And yeah. then weaponry. And <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just makes me laugh that the weaponry is further to the front of the store than the sex gear at the back. Yeah. Like, somehow... Somehow an 18-inch cock is less obscene than a dirty, great big belt-fed M- M-something browning on the fucking wall. You could, do, like, <laughs> you could do some great damage with both of those. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that sounds very similar. And, 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 yeah. and inevitably, somewhere in there is some fake dog poop and some, some yep. spray that smells like farts. It's just, you know, it's somewhere in there. But anyway. I remember so- as well. There do you remember when there was that like legal highs problem where people were like buying these like sachets of stuff and I think it was called like spice or like, something ba- like bath salts and shit like that? Yeah, yeah, kind of. And like it they they were they had something on the packet and it was called like mind melt or oh. something and it was like there was a loophole that kept it legal solely based on the fact that it said 18 plus not fit for human consumption, <laughs> but we all knew what it was for. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I don't. I don't know if we had uh, things like that here, but that's that's uh, that's pretty great. Right. Right now in America, <laughs> I live. I live in a state where now every single border around my state, weed is legal. Wow. <laughs> just just <laughs> with me in this fucking stupid state of Texas, just just run by these morons they can't they don't realize the amount of money they could be making but it doesn't matter because god and stuff um yeah so but yeah so it's like uh it's uh it's pretty funny <laughs> anyway let, we're not this is the longest i think we've ever taken to actually get to the band we're going to talk about but you know what i think this is in the in it's in the same uh the same vibe as as, as yeah. poison like let's let's just kind of go with the flow and do what we enjoy so Okay, so poison. That's what we're gonna do. Um, poison was a was. I'm not gonna do a bio. I don't know why I was about to do a bio. They formed like in the mid '80s or something, and they they <laughs> they were very ambitious. But um, they have. We, we were kind of going back and forth on like what we should actually be ranking because they have an album that's like half an EP and half a live album. They have an album that's a full just covers album. So at the end of the day, we decided that we'll stick to seven releases which are the seven that wikipedia says is the full-length discography and maybe we'll mention some other shit as we're going through here but so seven is the number we're working with um and so as as we always begin the ranking we're going to turn it over to mr eddie sparks for his number seven poison album cool just piggybacking off of that I have a little little thing here as well for like any uh, not the main album stuff. I thought I'd get it out of the way as well. Okay. Uh, I I I feel like they're worth bringing up. So there's a few studio tracks at the end of Swallow This Live, and the first five tracks of Power to the People are studio tracks. Yeah. Now I'm just gonna say all of the bonus tracks 
the studio ones on Swallow This Live are awesome. I'm afraid I can't say the same for Power <laughs> to the People. <laughs> yeah. And, um, the auto-tune on C.C. DeVille was enough to kill the whole album for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. yeah that is so that so what you're the, on power to the people that was around 2000 and that's when cc deville came back into the band but also yeah. i guess was trying to do a pop punk thing and so yeah it's it's pretty it, it's pretty cringeworthy at times yeah, it, came, it just came off a little bit, hey, fellow kids, kind of cringy. And it was like, any auto-tune that blatantly sounds like, ah, 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 <laughs> like, is, is, is like, nah, turn it off, dude. Just Yeah, yeah T-Pain, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my number seven, now, now that we've wrapped up our little bonus tracks rant, is... My number seven is Holly Weird. All right, from two thousand and two. So this this album feels like it would have been a return to form mm. had the production not <laughs> crushed any chances of that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm about I'm about to jump right into it. Holly Weird. This track attempts the eighties songwriting. It, but with 2002 muddy ass production quality and it feels like it would have been so much better if it just had that 80s production and room to breathe i feel like even it just not being muddy would have would have made it better you know i feel like this is where a lot of the glam bands in the modern era kind of missed the mark because it's it's all too easy to forget that production plays a huge part in making the music sound good and in but my I, I honest think, opinion, I think in the, especially yeah. in the early two thousands, I think a lot of bands were under the impression that you weren't supposed to put any effort into production because that's what, what that's what was wrong with the eighties. Apparently I, I don't, I don't know. And so I think that's why you get albums like this because it's older bands who are just like, how do we, how do we stay hip? We just got to make something that sounds raw. Like we just made it in the garage. <laughs> You know, so and of course it doesn't work. Yeah, because the problem with it is it just ends up sounding like a demo, you know. Yeah. And, you know, glam that sounds like it's being played in a room isn't being done right, in my opinion. It needs to sound like it's in a stadium. Yeah. Know? Well, the, 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 the weird thing, though, is that if you go all the way back to the first Poison album, they that was a low budget affair but they approached it like they were making the biggest album in the world where it's now yeah. they're like, we're going to make this, we're going to try to make this big fun rock music again, but let's not really act like it's very good. Let's, let's give it production. Like it's a, like it's just a demo that somebody ran across on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Like squeeze box, like the, the cover of the who song, it just sounds so muddy, like a demo, which is a shame because you know, this is the closest stuff. I've heard the classic Poison songwriting since the first three records at this point yeah. at the time of writing this. Well, and shit, and this uh, is the last... It's been 2002, so it's been almost 20 years and there hasn't been any other original Poison music released. I, th I think Poison are, are a textbook example of kind of a legacy act at this point because I think yeah. even they've acknowledged people want to hear the old stuff and... 
Which is kind of a shame because it's like if if you produce it right, it will be good. It just and just don't over it, yeah. just don't overthink it. Just you know that was that's what made them great in the first place. Is yeah. just doing it solely for a good time. Um, like shooting star is catchy again, but the production shits all over it. Wishful thinking. This one has the benefit of not being too overly guitar dominated which allows it to breathe in a few sections where there's everything going on but guitar. But still, like, get you some. It's just such a shame the production is so shit, dude. Because, like, uh, it really had potential to be such a return to form, you know, albeit that that song has, like, a full-on new metal breakdown riff about halfway in. Yeah. Um, Emperor's New Clothes modern rock kind of song that is a song Devil- that is a song title that needs to be retired nobody makes songs called emperor's new clothes anymore okay megadeth <laughs> you did it already too you did it after poison how shitty is that 14 years <laughs> after <laughs> oh man we got um we got a drag race going on outside. oh yeah fast cool. and the furious but that is Motley Crue. Yeah, so what I'm the fuck? Yeah, get out of here with that Motley <laughs> Crue. <laughs> so we got uh, Devil Woman. Uh, I will say to this album's credit, it's shorter than some of their other efforts during this modern kind of era. Um, Wasteland, same kind of vibe once again. Living in the now. CC front of track at, at this point in the album, like I really stopped caring. Yeah, <laughs> my note, my notes from here on in are stupid, stoned, and dumb. Nothing new, really. Home, Brett story. Yeah, okay. And then Rockstar, cool. Okay, bye. Did you? What did you? Did you miss <laughs> the fact that that song Home is on there twice? Is it? Yeah, there's a song called Home Brett story and a song called Home CC's story, and it's the same exact song done two different times with each of them singing the, pretty much the same thing. The lyrics are changed. <laughs> but it's like you have a song that isn't good and then you get it again. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, man. it's so hilarious. Uh, I, I only checked it out on Spotify. I didn't realize that there was a, a version where there's two homes. Two, two homes. Two, two, two for the price of one. Two for the price of one. Which apparently yeah, wasn't very expensive. yeah it's just like a cheap sounding album also i need to i need to throw this out there poison following native tongue after that i think they are the kings of bad album covers in the modern age absolutely like i can't think of shittier album covers from a hair metal band and it makes no sense because like you we've gotten to the point where it's easier to make cool looking art easily yeah (laughs) i mean you could do it and they just didn't do it yeah yeah it's just i i don't know whether or not it was like they embraced the cheese but like uh yeah the cheese the cheese was a little off. <laughs> it, it, it had gone bad. <laughs> yeah. It's moldy. The cheese yeah, is old and moldy. <laughs> oh, man. Was that an Anchorman reference? No, that was an Encino oh. Man reference. Oh, that's that's the one. Yeah. What, what, what was I thinking of? Like, ow, now, brown cow. All the little, like, things he does. It's like a, a vocal exercise before he starts. Oh, the and at the beginning of Anchorman. 
Yeah. 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 The Human Torch was denied torch a was bank denied loan. A bank loan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what, awesome. what's, your, what's your name? L- Lanolin? <laughs> anyway. So you, uh, you done with Holly Weird? Yeah. So the so the the the, the positives that you highlighted from Holly Weird honestly keep it from being number seven. Um, my number seven. This is probably you, I'm not. You're not going to be surprised at all. My number seven is the album Poisoned, uh, which <laughs> is the last full length album that they put out, and it's an entire album of cover songs. It came out in 2007. So yeah. before I, before I talk a little bit, here's here's to give you an idea about how I feel about this album. So whenever we do these rankings, for the most of the time, I will have a sheet of paper that I devote to one album, and I'll just write notes on the piece of paper as I'm listening to the album with whatever thoughts I think I want to get out there. For this one, it says poisoned dash 2007. Underneath that, it just says no. <laughs> but there's an asterisk next to the no, and then at the bottom of the page, I wrote the sexy back cover is pretty fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 because that's literally. So first off, I I'm normally not a fan of cover songs. I I, w- I think that they're it, if you're doing them live, that can be kind of fun. But recording them for the most part for most bands, it's a low point in whatever it is that they're doing, in my opinion. And in this case, it's an entire album of covers. And then on top of that, it's an entire album of mostly really well-known covers that they didn't do anything new with at all. So it's yep. literally the most boring thing they could have put out. And the reason why I, I highlighted Sexy Back, which actually was only a Walmart exclusive track, is that they did a Justin Timberlake song sounding doing kind of a rocky version of it. I was like, okay, this is different. This is fun. I love some JT. So I'm, I'm on board <laughs> with this. And so, but other than that, like, I- I'm sorry, but like you, if you, you cover rock and roll all night by kiss, I mean, how, uh, how lazy is that? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, it's like, they might as well have also covered, covered a uh, 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 Panama by Van Halen or so I don't know something that's just so overdone that I don't know so so I, I can't I there are no positives to this I guess the production is actually better than Holly weird I'll give it that um, but it's that's still what bumped it up for me it's still yeah. not it's still not very good they did cover uh, one of my favorite Tom Petty songs I need to know and so that's cool but once again, they they really do nothing new with it, and so um, it's just I don't know. It's it's really weird, um, and also I do think that it's like it's coupled together, right? Like if I remember right, like the like the production is fine, but I think that some of these were recorded in two thousand seven, and other ones in uh, at other times. Yeah, and I've actually got up here. Um, I I took the liberty of loading it up just so we could have a look. And tracks one through eight uh-huh. and fourteen as well um, included on the end, which is the sexy back cover. But the first eight tracks were recorded for these sessions. Um, the rock and roll all night was actually from eighty seven. Okay, okay. Um, I th- I think still doesn't save it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your Mama Don't Dance was on um, Open Up and Say Ah. Yeah. And is 
I, th- I think it's kind of a testament to, you know, how how much of like kind of a, a letdown the album is when an album, when a song from an album that already exists is the best song on the album. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's yeah. the thing is that I feel like with, with, well, we'll get to talking about your mama don't dance. Cause that's on a different album. Sometimes if you pick the right cover song and it fits in with what you're doing on the album, it sounds good. It fits in. And, yeah. and I, I like that. Uh, but yeah, for this, for me, this is like something I, I will never listen to this again. I had not listened to it before we did this ranking. And I'm just like, yeah. I, I guess if you are a massive Poison fan, then this is cool. But to me, I'm just like, this This is, and it, and it bothers me because it's the last thing that they did. I'm like, yeah, I, I just, just go back and make another kind of shitty album just so we can at least wrap it up with some original Poison music. Because then and that's a thing that, that, you know, you're dealing with all these covers and that's a thing that I'll, I'll talk about a lot as we're ranking these. One of the unique things about Poison when it comes to a lot of the 80s bands is that Poison wrote all of their music. Yeah. They did not have co-writers on anything that they did, um, except for when they were doing covers. And so, you know, this is just one of those things where I'm like, man, they get... They can they can write songs, you know. They, if they needed a stopgap, I can understand that. But they didn't put anything out after this, and so it's very disappointing, yeah. and it's just not very good. So I'm here. It is at number seven. I'm going to piggyback straight off of that because it's it's my number six, and I did contemplate doing kind of a track by track for it, but in the end, I just. Because it was a bunch of other people's songs, I didn't really see the point. And yeah. they didn't really do anything to them apart from play the songs through, you know, their rig. So, <laughs> yeah. like, um, it just sounds like Poison hogging the mic at a karaoke party. <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty much it. It's, um, you know, with the notable exception of Sexy Back, there isn't really anything new being done here. That, ironically is the only kind of interesting thing. Yeah. But like you can kind of see their influences, but they are obvious. Like, they would go down well in a pub setting, obvious songs. So that's why, like, it's, there is, like, already kind of an overplay quality to some of these. So, I don't know. Yeah, it just, it did rub me the wrong way as well a little bit. Plus the the album cover of all of them, I think this is the most offensively bad album cover <laughs> it's, of, it's of a, the whole lot. It's like yeah, like it's just a plain white background and a, a lady sticking her tongue out to the to the logo with some green lipstick on. But uh, I mean that's I mean I, I mean you got I guess the the label would have been like great. It doesn't cost us any money whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how many shots they took of just her stood there like an idiot, probably for like ten minutes. Like, they we got it. <laughs> Shit, know? I mean, that probably was one of their girlfriends or something. It was like you know, <laughs> more than likely. <laughs> so yeah, it's it it fits the album. It's very just whatever. Yeah, I would have to agree. You know, I've. That's pretty much all I have to say about Poison. <laughs> so so cool. if you would have just if 
if you want to just keep going straight on. Yeah, we're 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 gonna do a little crisscross here because my number six is uh, Holly Weird, um, but I actually wanted to because you mentioned um, the the power to the people, and I think I'm gonna put power to the people and Holly Weird as a joint number six. Yeah, um, just because it's it it was you know the power to the people was released as a full length album. It just the 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 their take on it was that half of it was studio and half of it was live, but um, yeah. but Holly Weird itself, you said everything that I needed to say right when you began because you talked about how awful the production is and it is it is awful. It sounds like a bunch of demos and and we've already covered this. I I really do think it's bands retreating from the eighties and thinking that they have to make things that don't sound good or nobody's going to take them seriously. And I think that that is, that's that ship sailed. That, well, that's also <laughs> yeah. why, that's also why the early two thousands in so many ways were so annoying to me because, yeah. it, because there were so many people trying so hard. Cause at least in like the, the late nineties, there was still some great production in this music that was a little more stripped down. Like, you know, you think of corn yeah. and bands like that. They had good sounding albums, but it's like, it, it seems like it's mostly these older bands. And I don't know if it's because they had a limited budget and maybe they had to do it in somebody's home studio and they didn't have a big drum room to work in. I don't really know. I just know that it's not just poison. It's, it's, it's yeah. a lot of, a lot of these older bands just started making these really poorly mixed and, and recorded albums. So, but I have to say that I do think that on Hollywood, there the songs are better than on Power to the People, but just barely. Um, yeah. And so the big thing about that was that you know there was a huge gap in time where um, the the original four Poison members didn't release anything because CC Deville quit. They had like two different guitar players in that span of time, and then with Power to the People and Hollywood, CC Deville was back, but. It's just one of those things like you like like the some of the songs especially on Hollywood sound like they're trying to tap in to the things they did in the 80s which is fun but the production immediately drags it down and then the other songs the 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 band name that kept coming into my head was Good Charlotte they all sound they <laughs> sounded like yeah. they were attempting to fit in with Good Charlotte and bands like that which I guess if if I could see their logic, you know, in, in wanting yeah. to do that, but it's just not very well done. And all of a sudden it's something happened where the songwriting chops and I don't know what happened. Cause I don't really know. I always assumed that Brett Michaels did the majority of the heavy lifting with the songwriting and maybe he got burnt out or maybe, it was a collaborative thing and the collaboration just wasn't working as well. Cause the songs just aren't inspired at all. And, and it's weird because this is coming from a band that I believe one of their biggest qualities was that they didn't overthink what they were doing. But now you listen to this album in 2002 and it's like, they didn't take enough time with it or maybe they overthought it. Fuck. I don't know. It's just, it's just really weird. And, and overall, Holly weird is, you know, every time we get to one of these, these big eighties bands, 
we're always going to get to an album like this, and I'm going to refer to it as the epitome of what all these 80s bands were doing in the early 2000s. It just sounds like bland rock and roll made for people who used to party, but now they don't. Yeah. And so they don't even really listen to rock and roll anymore. Like, this is an album made for somebody who hasn't heard a rock album in 10 years. They only hear what comes on the radio. And so now they're like, Poison put out an album. Let's let's get it. And so you have to make it this sort of weird, watered-down, middle-of-the-road thing because these people are not ready yeah. for it anymore. They used to be rockers. <laughs> now they're accountants in something else, you know, whoever, whatever their job is. Nothing wrong with accountants. They're very important people. But overall, like Holly Weird, and then what did I write down for Power to the People? It's the same thing. Like Power to the People is it, the five original tracks just sound like they're desperately trying to fit in in the 2000s. And, and yeah. the songwriting is not very good. And overall, all of these tracks, if you put these two albums together, Holly Weird, Power to the People, it literally, it, you, if you took away Brett Michaels' vocals, I wouldn't even know what band this was. It could be any yep. band of old dudes making music. And so um, for me, there's a big, with six and seven for me, there's a big gap with with the stuff. There's another gap, but this is the first one. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, my number's, my joint number six, Holly Weird and Power to the People. Cool. So my number five All right. is the, the quality improves... Quite a bit here. We get crack a smile and more, <laughs> which is a fucking daft album title right out of the gate. <laughs> but let's give it a fair trial. But like, because this album was this album was put on hold for like five years. It was like recorded in ninety four ninety five, but it didn't get put out until two thousand. And so the so the and more actually isn't part of the album title. I discovered. So, and it's because of that, because the album had been worked on and a lot of it done in the 90s. And I think that there were versions of it floating around that was just called Crack a Smile. And so the yeah. record label put it out with extra stuff. And so they call it Crack a Smile and more. But to someone like me that I don't, I didn't know the history of this album. So I wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like Chinese democracy where you're like, when is crack a smile going to finally come out? Nobody, nobody <laughs> talked about it. So when I hear, yeah. when I see the album title, I go crack a smile and more like, what else are you supposed to crack? Is this a, sexual thing like it, it, it's a, immediately a confusing <laughs> album title that they literally could have just left the and more off and just said crack a smile <laughs> and maybe underneath it put with bonus tracks or something like that but it's it's once again it's just all the decisions at this point on became really unfortunate so go ahead there you go <laughs> could, could have been could have been crack a smile and some cold ones with the boys <laughs> i would have been better i would have been more okay with that because <laughs> i'm gonna be honest that's how this fucking album sounds you know it's it's got like that kind of southern rock vibe going on yeah. um so it it kind of opens with uh best thing you ever had it takes that kind of southern rock vibe all of the like southern rock energy coming off of the previous album was condensed into this so it's got kind of like a Skinnered edge at times. Mm -hmm. um, and it throws 
everything it can at making this album quite bluesy, but quite, you know, rock and roll. And man, like, then you get Shut Up, Make Love. That intro is hilariously of its time. Yeah. Like, my God, fucking hell. There are a lot of, like, cringy Brett moments on this album. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, what is it at the end of the track or something? They say, like, we're going to make love, and it's going to sound like oh, this. <laughs> and they, like, <laughs> they even say in the song, all right, you can stop now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, I, and I, I also love when these when these bands in the early 2000s or late 90s all of a sudden were like, we have to have a little electronic part in our song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can appeal to all of the Nine Inch Nails fans because that's what the kids like these days. Oh, my God. Uh, it's like Baby Gets Around a Bit. It's like another catchy one. Cover of the Rolling Stone is a cover of Cover of the Rolling Stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in an alternate universe somewhere out there, not too different from our own, is a reality where Brett Michaels is Garth Brooks' levels of successful as a country artist. It is something he could have done, and I yeah, think could have done well. I think so. Like, uh, it, there is a real certain twang to his voice, but um, yeah, we live in... We live in a society where <laughs> we, we live in this one reality uh, uh, out of out of many, where it's like kind of seeping through, but he's trying to contain himself. Yeah, there's a, there's a, um, there's a weird glitch where the 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 Garth Brooks version of Brett Michaels <laughs> keeps seeping in, and it's not supposed to. And maybe that's what happened with Garth Brooks and his Chris Gaines album, where he did like an album as a rock guy. Maybe that was the yeah. that was the other universe, <laughs> Brett Michaels coming through and trying to do something, and it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> Don't ask me why I know these things about Garth Brooks. I just do. Hey, the dude's famous as shit. Yeah. It's it's hard not to know. But uh, you get "Be the One" is a power ballad. You know, I'm surprised by this one. You know, I was expect I was expecting you know some cringy butt rock, and to be fair. There are quite a few elements of that on this album, mm -hmm. a, a lot of them, but the songs admittedly are catchy. Um, you know, Mr. Smiley, got some nice riffage going on that one. Sexual Thing has got some funny lyrics in there. Uh, Lay Your Body Down, Lay Your Body Down is like it, a, a big old GNR level ballad. Mm -hmm. No Ring, No Gets. Uh, this is where it starts to get a lot less memorable for me because this is this album suffers from something that a lot of 90s albums suffer from because it's it's just too fucking long for the style that they're playing like i'm pretty sure this one caps out at about like 75 oh, geez, minutes yeah yeah it's very long in total and like i know that there's the and more side of it with like the last few tracks like the unplugged stuff and whatnot but even before it gets to that there's still like 15 songs on this thing um that's the way i like it again you know it's got some sleazy riffage but the fatigue is really starting to set in now uh tragically unhip you know i actually heard an ugly kid joe everything about you lick in there yeah <laughs> That 
was in the solo, and there's no way in hell there wasn't some Ugly Kid Joe influence on that little bit there. Um, doing as I've seen on my TV, uh, <laughs> up-tempo, punky... Worst song title ever? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doing as I've seen on my TV. There's... There's some fucking crazy song titles, like One More for the Bone, Sleazy Hard Rock, but like the problem is with this album, again, it's like six tracks too long, even excluding the bonus stuff. Um, Set You Free, yeah, I'd kind of tuned out at this point. Mm -hmm. It's a very front-loaded album. Crack a Smile, now for a title track it's not very exciting compared to the rest of the tracks. And I found out cause that, that song's a demo, I think. Yeah. I think the last and few of the, of the actual album part are demos. Yeah. And the, the thing is that got me is that face the hangman is an outtake from open up and say, ah, and I'll be honest, this is the best song on the album. <laughs> I didn't even make it this far in the album because I was just like, if I don't like the actual really? album album, then I'm not going to let you suck me in with some promises of some cool shit. Well, the thing is, I looked at the track listing and I, and I said to myself, right, everything that's like not a live thing, I'll listen to. Because like, the thing is, it, if I want to listen to a live out live thing, I, I would rather listen to the whole like live show. Yeah. I just want to put on a designated live album and then vibe to that for like the next two hours and really make it an experience. But if I have a look at the track listing here, which I've got, so here we, like the actual album itself is like 12 tracks and then you've got like three outtake tracks and then you've got Face the Hangman and then four MTV Unplugged songs. So in total, I listened to 16 tracks off of this, excluding the <laughs> MTV Unplugged. You're and a trooper. God, yeah. I, I, does that make me entitled to a veteran's discount, do you think? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a good argument for that. Oh, man. Yeah, like that's the thing. I feel kind of bad for turning on this album like halfway through, but it got to a point where I was like, okay, we kind of hit a ceiling with where we're going here and we're just going to do that for the next other half of the album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a good EP in there. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And, and are, are you done with yours? Because I this is actually also my number five. <laughs> so oh, let's let's keep it going. Let's let's I'm gonna let's number five and more. Just hand it over to me. So, <laughs> um, my biggest gripe with this album is the fact that as we talk about the albums that came before this. Poison was a band that had a trajectory with a progression with how their sound was evolving. And you it makes sense. Each album makes sense where they go where they ended up because of how they I don't know, just it just seemed to make sense. This is the first yeah. one that all of a sudden it sounds like they're backtracking a little bit. And yeah, and this is the the beginning of where I I mean it's weird because from what I gather these songs were recorded in '94 and '95. Um, yeah, and and it was with their second replacement guitar player whose name is Blues Saraceno. And wow, yeah. <laughs> 
and he was also, you know, co-writer on the songs. And, and, um, so, and I would also say that if, if, if we, this is the album where I think we can start where the bad album covers started. Um, cause it's, yep. cause it's, did you say that? Is that what you said about this one too? Because it's, uh, yeah. Cause it's, it's, this is, this is not as horrible as the ones to come after it, but it's still like, I don't know. I, it, you, it has to be a really great cover for you to just put your band on the album cover. There has to be something unique or striking about the photograph for that to be okay yeah. as an album cover. Whereas in this case, it's just an over photoshopped thing. <laughs> I was, you know? was going to say I'm I'm a, I'm looking at it right now on Spotify, and I'm going th- I'm going through their uh, going through their covers and my god like they hit a point after native tongue where they were like oh so microsoft powerpoint is a thing <laughs> like and and it just looks like they just threw a bunch of like that like the old really nostalgic but like totally couldn't get away with it now word art all over everything yeah and it's like oh, man like after, native tongue looks cool all of the ones before native tongue look cool in their own right albeit like look what the cat dragged in being something that made me question my sexuality the first time i saw it <laughs> we'll, we'll get there um, <laughs> so but this particular one the thing that i thought was fascinating about it is that it was still on a major label like this this was yeah. finally released in the year 2000 and they were still on a major label now from what i've read about this album they recorded it in 94 95 and the label shelved it and instead said let's put out a greatest hits album and from the caliber of music that's on here i kind of side with the record label that yeah they because they had already had i think they had like a time a little bit of success with native tongue but it was already like they were on the down they were way down like they were playing, yeah. you know, concerts to half empty theaters and stuff like that. So I think the fact that when they started writing Crack a Smile and it wasn't anything that was going to change anything, I, I you can hear it. There's not nothing was going to change, unfortunately. And so the label probably made a good decision in saying, let's just remind everybody why you guys kicked ass and put out a, a greatest hits album. So I don't fault them for that. But it's interesting that finally it gets released and it is on a major um, but again, I think it's the last one they put out on a major, but anyway, not that that really matters, but, um, you do get, you get, have some more money behind you for promotion and for actual recording. So, um, the big problem here, like I said, is that the, there's no progression. This has a little bit in common with native tongue and a little bit them trying to step backwards a little bit. And it puts too much of an emphasis on the blues rock side of things, which I get yeah. really tired of really fast. And uh, unfortunately, the songs are just not there. The songs are not that great. They have their moments here and there. Um, it, it, it's weird because I almost feel like the thing that would have made this album better is if, because I'm always like progression, progression, progression. I feel like at this point, they should have just gone all the way fucking back and done a fucking glam record. Like, and th- then yeah. it would have been better because it's it. And, and but I, I, I realized that this is 94, 95 when they're writing these songs, recording these songs. And it had to have been 
Like that's the one thing. Like if, if we ever got big enough to where we could interview, you know, people like Poison, I I would annoy them because all I want to do is have a long discussion about the 90s. Like all the minutia. <laughs> I want to know about like the thoughts they had going into the studio when they were recording. Like what was your everyday life like? Did all of a sudden, like what does it feel like to be on top of the world and then all of a sudden have the rug pulled out from under you and everything is deflating around you. Like, what has that got to be like? And it and that has to make it hard to write good music because you are not yeah. motivated. You're only motivated by survival, and you're never going to write good shit that way. Um, so this <clears> is obviously, I, I'm guessing, a reason why this was shelved and then just put out later. Um, so I guess overall, it's a bit watered down. Um, I'll give it points for still sounding like a Poison album. Like, it's it's got more life to it than the album that would come later. But it's, it's just, um, it's not enough. And unfortunately, if this had been the last thing they had put out, I think maybe I would have been a little bit more kind to it. But um, just as we are right here, if we draw a line right here, like even though I'm going to have some negative things to say about, you know, native tongue, it, it it's if they had stopped there, Poison would be a, a great band to me just because of the fact that they put out albums that progressed from the one before and there's a, at least a quality of trying to do something honest and um I guess unique to their to their sound and how they were wanting to progress. Whereas now all of a sudden it's just trying to figure out, well, what the fuck do we do? And that's why that's what crack a smile sounds like. It sounds like, what the fuck do we do now? I guess we do this. And, um, it's, it's, it's kind of sad anyway. So that's why it's my number five. Also crack a smile and more. And, um, so, but now we moving on to our number fours, to me, this gets this starts to get a lot more interesting. So, um, I'm really interested to hear where these four albums are going to fall for you. Okay, cool. So my number four is their fourth album, and it is Native Tongue. Nice. Cool. So it's got kind of like a wild tribal intro, and then goes into the song "The Scream." This is obviously on this album, the moment you stick it on and hear them start playing, it's obviously a post-92 glam album Mm -hmm. where they shed the glam entirely and went down more of a darker, sleazy, hard rock, Guns N' Roses kind of thing as most 80s hair bands did and or following during the grunge explosion. Mm -hmm. So... um. Stand was the only track I knew off of this album going into it, but I remember the uh, I remembered the gospel choir in it, which gave it that kind of Skinnered edge again. Mm-hmm. Like I say, there's like kind of that southern twang to what they do. Um, Stay alive, great hard rock song. Uh, Until you suffer some, fire and ice is a nice ballad. <laughs> Never gets old. Another another, another <laughs> title that gets overused: "Fire and Ice." Oh, man, you, uh, body talk. You know, I, another I found, title that gets overused. <laughs> like that's the thing. Uh, there's a real like lineage of 
uh, glam bands having songs that have the same name. And I, I don't know if I've brought this up before. Actually, I have, and it was in the Kiss episode. How many fucking glam songs are called Under the Gun? Yeah. Because there are, there are a lot. There are a lot of them, if you look into it. <laughs> but, like, regardless, there's a great vibe to this sassy rocker. Then you get Bring It On Home. It's heavy, grooving rock track. Seven Days Over You. Some Skinnered feel on that bad boy. Richie's Acoustic Thang. Uh, is exactly what the title says. Which is, which is um, referring to Richie Kotzen, which is, is the only album that guitarist Richie Kotzen plays on. Yes. Um, and it, it's cool. It's got like kind of a... With this album, it's less of a glammy thing and more of like a sleazy, hard rock kind of thing going on. Um, ain't that the truth? Like the sleaze is oozing from the riffs on this song. Um, Theater of the Soul, another nice ballad that sounds like a much more southern sounding Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Uh, yeah, uh, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Theater of the Soul, if you listen to it, it's the same exact chord progressions from Every Rose Has Its Thorn. They just took yeah. it and wrote a different song over it. <laughs> uh, strike Up the Band is, is great fun. Royal Ch- Ride Child Ride is another fun tune. Blind Faith. Now, this... Another title that's sound- overused. Yep. And I was about to say, because <laughs> it sounds it sounds a lot like something off of Dog Eat Dog by Warrant, which is funny because Warrant have a song called Blind Faith on, too, but that's on, on Cherry, Cherry Pie. Pie. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm going to have to make a video on this. <laughs> uh, I'm, I might have to like find the most overused song names in the genre. Don't steal that. I'm making. I'm making that, people. I'm making that. Um, uh, where was I? Bastard Son of a Thousand Blues is. It's a very early '90s hard rock move to end the album with a blues song. And I've got to say, I grossly neglected this album on the assumption that they hopped on the grunge butt rock thing. Mm-hmm. But this is actually a really good sleazy hard rock album, dude. I am kicking myself that I didn't give this album a fairer chance solely based on when it came out because I yeah. tend to have this like subconscious cutoff in my head that tells me if it's after 92, it probably ain't worth your time, dude. But like the thing is with that, there are albums that go past that date, but I just need to, it's kind of like this OCD my, thing. I my brain have. immediately goes to subhuman race. That was after 92 and that's a great skid row record. That's true. We're going to do skid row at some point. We, we will. Yeah. Hell yeah. So we, uh, once again, we're matching up here. Um, so my number four is also native tongue. Nice. From 1993. And you, you literally, your last thing leads perfectly into the one reason why I think this album is great, um, I don't think it's it's not great in the same way the next three albums we talk about are great. But yeah. it's great because of the fact that it came out in 1993 and they did not try to make a heavy album or a grunge album. It's mm. just a bluesy rock album and elements of it, like sure, it's more serious, but if you go back to the album prior, Flesh and Blood, that has a more serious vibe overall. And so they, yeah. they had already done that. But so and and the, the song that really does feel like the like it's the 
It's the logical step. Is the song stand? That as a single, it already sounds like the kind of shit the band was really trying to get into on Flesh and Blood. But it's almost like with stand, before Poison was was trying to write rock anthems. And now they're trying to write anthems for everyone. Like stand yeah. sounds like a song. It's not as good as any of their earlier stuff, but it has this vibe that they're trying to reach everybody with this song. That's going to, going to touch everyone in some way. And I got to yeah. hand it to them for that kind of, that kind of, uh, of ambition. And so um, even though it's not an amazing song, it's got that vibe where I go, you know what? I feel it, dude. I, I get what you're going for here. And yeah. And once again, like I said, this does still, still feel like a natural progression for Poison. If you go in their albums in order, it makes sense. Um, honestly, I do miss the fun on this because this is the first album where fun elements aren't really on there. There was still yeah. some on Flesh and Blood, and then this one, it's pretty much a serious affair or, you know, serious for Poison anyway. Um, and honestly... Some of the songs aren't good enough to carry the serious vibe, and so that's why this album fails a little bit. The number, the other thing that makes this album fail, and this is, I don't, this has nothing to do with him as a guitar player. I don't think Richie Cotton was a good fit for Poison. He hmm. is a great guitar player, but that the only thing that I can imagine is if if he's also a co-writer on these songs, and these songs have this sort of not quite their vibe to a lot of them. I would say at least three fourths of them have a, Oh, this is almost great. And the yeah. only difference is that all of a sudden rich, Richie Kotzen is, is uh, on board and his guitar playing, even though it's better than CC DeVille, I, I don't want a better guitar player in poison. <laughs> like I that some, some that's like, that's like taking Steve Vai and putting him in the sex pistols. And I'm just like, no, he has no place being in that band. So it's like, sometimes things are what they're supposed to be. And Richie, Richie Kotzen, I, I, I get that they were probably jazzed to have a much better guitar player in their band, but CC gets kind of a raw deal. He's a good guitar player, but he's not as good. Anyway, and once again, like a lot of albums that we talk about on this podcast from around 1993, it is too long. To, they could have cut off a few songs, shortened yeah. some things here and there. But um, the, the big thing about this album is I, 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 I do enjoy the band's progression. The only, yeah, the big problem is just the vibe of this album because the, the seriousness and, and the overly blues rock thing gets really tiresome. But it wasn't just... You know, this started with with flesh and blood, with the bluesy rock thing. But every it seemed like every '80s band all of a sudden decided that they were going to be bluesy, and all yeah. of them at some point on one of their albums had a slide guitar part where it went like like it's yeah. like every single band they felt like they needed to do that, and I'm like, well. You, you don't, but whatever. It's just, you know, <laughs> but I think that's a little bit of a bias because I grew up in Texas and honestly, I hate any music. I don't hate it. I don't normally like to listen to music that makes me feel like it's Southern. <laughs> cause <I'm> just, <laughs> it just, it, cause it just reminds me of awful people. 
and I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just, you know, you can have, leave that behind. I have the exact same problem, unfortunately, with like any UK, any UK rap, because like the problem is, to me, UK rap sounds like the thirteen-year-olds at the back of the bus playing it out of their shitty phone speaker being <laughs> pieces of shit to everyone else on board and it's no fault of the it's no fault of the actual artist but like i can't divorce my 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 view of it now because it's just so tainted but like i i do kind of feel bad about it sometimes because like i have friends who like it but i've just never been able to get past like just the the year eight kid spitting on grandma as the bus goes past. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, also, also, I think when there when there was a big UK rap boom, like when, like I always ref, I always point it to where when the streets became popular and yeah. Dizzy Rascal and things like that. A lot of their music is really abrasive, and so it's almost like they're yeah. trying to make music that is noisy. And at the same time, a lot of their deliveries, we're getting into hip hop, I love this, uh, on a Poison <laughs> um, uh, episode, where their, their delivery as well was sometimes meant to be a little bit oblong. <laughs> I don't know. If it's, yeah. It just seems like it doesn't really necessarily fit. It was all just kind of a hodgepodge of things. So I, I kind of get that. It just, it just you know, I, I remember a bunch of like, asshole 13 year olds at the back of the bus like you what bruv i'll fucking stab you man fuck off like it is <laughs> and it's like is it, i'm breaking out the chav i'm breaking out the chav accent now but i oh, have to man. i have to be completely honest though the 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 chav accent when i when i was younger like with on with women i thought that was pretty sexy <laughs> I remember being in my 20s and seeing some stuff with that accent from girls. I'm like, I don't know. I, I kind of like that. I can't understand half of what they're fucking saying, but it sounds pretty sexy. Now, I will say, like, this is the most British sentence I think I've said yet. Chav birds are a different breed, but <laughs> chav blokes are the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I'm assuming that there that's the, the the it's equated to like Jersey Shore over here like it's that yeah, caliber I, I of people. So. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry that we <laughs> that we had another. I mean I'm not going to even apologize for our tangents because it's if you've listened to us enough you know that that um, if that happens that just means we're having a good episode. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> where were we? Oh, the Southern thing. So yeah, I don't. I the Southern thing gets a little bit tiring for me, and um. One thing, and I think I hit on this earlier when we were talking about me <laughs> asking the bands about when shit was going bad for them. I think that even with Native Tongue, the the writing was already on the wall that poison, the, 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 that kind of thing was no longer cool. And so all I can imagine is just how hard it is to write music when you're in a scene that's no longer supporting you. Like, yeah, so it's like, it's so, so when I hear native tongue, I go, okay, I, I can't give this that much hate because it, I feel like this was a tough time. Things off obviously got tougher, but I mean, yeah, this was a tough time for them. And like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't, I hate 
any overly like like when when people from a scene all attack something like that bothers me it's like the, it's like yeah. the thing that happens now with pop singers who wear metal shirts and immediately people want to give them shit that annoys the fuck out of me and so the same yeah. thing goes for when i think of the early 90s and how all of a sudden people were trying to tell me you're not supposed to listen to this music and i'm like why why does it have to be a thing where everybody jumps on the same thing at the same time? So it's like I didn't get into music for fucking rules. Exactly, Lars. I, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. And so that's why like I, I give this album a little more love because imagine being in that imagine being that band where all of mm. a sudden everyone's jumping on you and you're not like it's it's different if Katy Perry wears a Metallica shirt because she's already successful. She can say fuck you and count her money. Poison were getting jumped on at a time where they were on the way out. And so it's yeah. just like, fuck those people. And so, mm. you know, so Native Tongue is an album that I, it's almost like a, it's, it's, you can hear that it's like, it's them trying their best at a time where nobody had their back. I mean, their label yeah. probably didn't even have their back or maybe I'm, I'm sure it was the same sort of thing you hear about Janie Lane talks about with Warrant. But he shows yeah. up to the stu- to the office one day, and all of a sudden, the warrant poster has been replaced by Soundgarden Dirt. or somebody. Yeah, and, um, it was Dirt by Allison Chains, I think. And so I can yeah. it, so that I feel for them, and and expect, and I, I I wouldn't feel for them as much if they hadn't made the next three albums that we're going to be talking about. Cool. So my number three is album number three. It's Flesh and Blood. Okay. Cool. So this album is further proof of my hypothesis that 1990 is still an 80s year. Mm -hmm. That said, this album is a bit more stripped back ever so slightly, especially in the image and aesthetic department Mm -hmm. than the previous two albums. There's still kind of a stadium production edge to it but it's done in a bit more of a mature way. Um, So this album's vibe to me is similar to that of Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue, which was released a year prior to this. Um, Okay. So you get, so you get strange days of uncle Jack. It's this cool spaced out intro. Then you get Valley of lost souls and it sounds familiar, but I can't quite place it. It's It's, it's, gonna bug me though like there's a there's a part in that song that sounds like something and i'm gonna have to re-listen to the song because i can't remember which specific part it is but at the time of writing it i was thinking i've heard this somewhere else and i know it wasn't poison is it is it the cadence of the chorus the way he sings the lines because for some reason the the like that reminds me of lay your hands or or raise your hands by bon jovi like it has this, it, it gives me a, it, I don't know why it's always c- connected those two because they also have that same in their song. It could be, I'll, I'll have to get back to you on it. But uh, yeah, the, like this album to me, you got, you know, flesh and blood or flesh and blood sacrifice. <laughs> uh, at this point, it, it's like Cinderella playing through the Dr. Feel Good rig. And but with obviously poison's unique twang to it, 
Um, I love that song. I I don't know why that song, the backing vocals, the way they're recorded, sounds so good and big. The uh, like the way that sounds. Yeah, I'm like, man, I want to, I want to go rock out in an arena to this fucking shit. Like it's it's appropriate the way that it's mixed. That's the thing. It's it's where this music belongs yeah. through a massive sound system in a huge venue, like Swamp Juice solo. Two bracket songs in a row. Brave. <laughs> um, but this is just an interlude, though. Uh, but it's a pretty cool acoustic one. Oh, then we get my personal favorite off this album, Unskinny Bop, mm-hmm. which is a strip riff anthem. Yeah. Definite, definite booty shaker for sure. Um, uh, also, the, so my theory on this, because you were connecting this album to, to Dr. Feelgood, but here's my theory because since we're on Unskinny Bop, if you take Unskinny Bop off this album, there's really nothing that sounds like older Poison. Like, this is the only full-on 80s sunset strip kind of rock song on it. And so the album that I equate this with is Cherry Pie, because if you take Cherry Pie off of that album, it's also a very, it's more of a serious affair. And so, like, and these came out the same year. And so it's it's interesting that um, I don't think Poison have ever come out and said whether or not Unskinny Bop was, you know, the studio wanting them to write a hit. But it, it's interesting that it does feel it has a different vibe than it fits. It still fits the album, but it has a, a way more fun vibe than the rest of the album. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's um, followed up with Let It Play which has, like, some serious, like, southern rock edge to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Life Goes On, mandatory power ballad, but a damn good one. Yeah. Um, Come Hell or High Water, I couldn't help but think of the Kiss song, but it's still a good track in its own right. Uh, Ride the Wind, mm-hmm. hell yeah. You know, open road song, that one right there. Don't Give Up an Inch. It, on the subject of length, all the songs on this album have been really fun but this album is pretty long compared to the two predecessors. Yeah. So be sure to be in for a lengthier listen on this record um, because it's like a solid 20 minutes longer than the previous two. Uh, clocking in at almost an hour, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something to believe in. Yeah. A lighters in the air no ballad. Seen them on the TV. Preach about the promised land. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, give me something to believe that in. Is a, that is so, a big, like, that's, that's a big ass fucking ballad. Like, that, yeah. every time I hear that, I'm like, why wasn't this, uh, this song massive across the board? It just has yeah. that vibe. It's like, like they tried to do with Stand, like, make an anthem for everyone to sing along to. I just, I really do feel that. That that song is way better than it than it got uh, credit for, and this this is still during the era when the power ballad was king. You know, yep. Power ballads like in all genres maintained relevance quite a way into the nineties because you know you had when love and hate collide that did pretty damn well, and that was like ninety five, ninety six oh, by wow, Def, yeah. Def Leppard. Yeah, like. Because it, it, it's funny, because pe- people always say, oh, the power ballad killed glam. It's like, yeah, but power ballads still did pretty well way up into the 90s, so... Yeah, but it, I don't... That like, can't be I, the only I, factor. 
I think this, this ugh, I don't know. We, that's a totally different discussion for like what yeah. killed it. And I was like, nothing, nothing killed it. Cause if you like, as, yeah. as, as proof, as, as proof from this album, they were already moving away from being flamboyant. This is before anybody, they, uh, nobody in poison knew who Nirvana was at this point. I guarantee you. And, yeah. and they, they were already stripping things back. So it's, it was just a natural progression. I just think that it's another one of those things where everyone jumps on something and I go, all right, well, you know, there's, yeah. there's different ways to look at it. <laughs> oh man. But then we got ball and chain, just straight up rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Life loves a tragedy. Awesome. Uplifting song driving during a sunset would be my optimum enjoyment for this track. And then finally you got poor boy blues uh, I expected this album to end no other way than a classic 12-bar blues track. Mm-hmm. So, hell yeah. This this album is much more mature than the previous two, but still has that big stadium rock sound yeah. and ambition to it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's like we said about the Black album. It's got one foot in both eras. Yeah, so absolutely. You could, you could see where it was going, but it was still rooted in what made the band famous. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is my that's my number three, Flesh and Blood. Cool. And this is where we diverge, sir. Here we go. Um, my uh, number three is going to have to be. So we're we're literally at a point where I love all three of these albums. Yeah. Like the the Poison era. From '86 to 1990, I I love it so much. Like I listen yeah. to these albums a lot, and um, but at the end, um, when I was just you know, when I was doing my list, I, I the the one that ended up being number three was uh, their debut album, "Look What the Cat Dragged In," and I mean that's that's it's number three out of three fabulous albums. Um, and the thing about this album that I love so much, and I'd mentioned it earlier, um, not only is it just a super fun album all the way through, but it sounds like a band already trying to make the biggest album in the world, even though they didn't have the money to make the biggest album in the world. <laughs> and it's just, it, the, the vibe comes across so well. And these songs are not overthought, there's there's such a confidence to this album and at the same time like like it it you just feel like this is a band like that's the that's the great thing about an album like this is that i listen to it and i know all about poison but i still will hear this album and go man i hope these guys make it they have such promise (laughs) like i i feel like they're going places and it still gives me that vibe of like these these young guys who are just trying their hardest to be the biggest band in the world right out of the gate. And yeah. it's just, it's so much fun. But you have, I mean, it's its weird because um, there were a lot of, I guess there were four singles off of this album. And yeah, th- and they're not very well known. I think the biggest one that's, that's really well known is Talk Dirty to Me. Um, that's probably the biggest one but then you know cry tough was a single i want action was a single and so was i won't forget you and they're all great songs but i think that the 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 charm of this album is the fact that it's kind of a 
independent album done with uh, the ambitions of a big, you know, huge rock band. And yeah. the I, I really I do think the songwriting is a little bit rough around the edges still here, but they're already, you know, I don't know, as a debut, it's I mean, it's not it's not an appetite for destruction type debut, but it is really good at what it's trying to do. And it's it's an absolutely infectious album. And um I really do think that I Making music where your number one goal is to is to have everybody have a good time in 2021 is an admirable quality to me. So I, yeah. whenever I hear people making music and I get the feeling that they want everyone to have a good time, like, sure, I don't listen to that kind of music all the time. I don't always want to be all cheery and, and, and bubbly and shit, but... I hear stuff like this and I go, <laughs> I admire the fact that that was there, that that's what was going on, you know? Yeah. And, and I just, I, 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 that, that's the big reason why I miss the eighties, even though the eighties, you know, I probably would say that as a decade, the nineties were more important to me, but the eighties, the, the vibe going on with music from every angle, it was so alive that you had things like this, that were this this fun pop rock album the same year as master of puppets you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's just and then even everything leading into the late 80s i just love the vibrant scene that music was having and it wasn't just rock and roll and metal it was also hip hop and and other things i love the fact that everything was booming the if you were a, a band the 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 possibilities were limitless like and and yeah. that that vibe makes me one a little bit sad that i don't think that's a thing that's ever going to happen again but also it makes me really enjoy even the worst glam albums or any albums that came out around it's it's all the second half of the 80s for me starting about 86 through 89 90 I enjoy all of it just because I always feel that vibe of man, shit was shit was great in the in the world of music. You know, it wasn't great for everybody in every walk of life, but I just love that. I love the I love hearing the excitement of it all. And yeah, if that's that, and that's totally clear with uh, "Look What the Cat Dragged In." So it's not it's not my favorite Poison album, but it is for what it is. It's a damn good one. I would go as far as to say, well, I'll get into it in a minute, but I would say that this album contains what I would consider to be Poison's only actual, like, remotely metal song. Like, I feel like the only reason they get called, they get lumped in with, you know, the hair metal thing is because that was the thing at the time. Anything with a perm yeah. and guitars was just called metal. You know, they were you're, very you're generous. right. Most of the time, it is using the term metal very loosely. <laughs> yeah, especially in the poodle perm world. But, like, I would go as far as to say that the title track, uh, Look What the Cat Dragged In, is like their only metal riff. Yeah. Where it's like, like that. Every other riff on here, like, yeah, it might be sleazy, but it's still pretty happy. But, like, the title track is the only remotely menacing 
oh, these guys might be a little dangerous kind of hint throughout pretty much the whole discography. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to jump straight into my number two because my number two is look what the cat dragged in. Awesome. So Cry Tough is this uplifting 80s hard rocking fun. Like, yeah, it's like sh- really sugary sweet, but it's a good time. And it doesn't yeah. set out to be anything but that. Uh, I want action. One of my favorites on this album. You know, this once again, over, it's just a giant overdose of fun. I, uh, I I won't forget you. It's a, it's a nice ballad track showing their softer side, you know, third track in. Then you get play dirty. You get the chorus effect on the guitars, you know, mm-hmm. cruising the sunset strip, blasting this must have been awesome. Um, like I said, look what the cat dragged in. Absolutely gnarly, mean riff, considering how bright and cheery, like, most of the album is. Yeah. Um, Talk Dirty to Me goes without saying. Super catchy. Guaranteed 80s party tune. Uh, want some, need some. It's just great fun. Blame it on you. Nice and sleazy. Number one, bad boy. It was just, just such a good title. Like, yeah. I fucking love that. <laughs> You know, another fun rocking track with some serious shred from CC, uh, who is, you know, underrated. Yeah. Um, and then finally, let me go to the show. I put up a video on Instagram of me doing the end of it. It's just yeah. like, you heard your mother. Turn that shit off. Oh, so fucking good, man. It also like there's a slight GNR vibe, you know, Guns N' Roses thing on the final track. And I can totally see why Slash almost ended up in Poison, why he would have been in the ballpark for auditions and things. Because mm-hmm. didn't he audition for, for Poison around this time? I Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah. It's, it, I'm a little muddy on that hole because there were so many people in other glam bands that had some connection to other yeah. ones. It gets a little bit confusing. The family tree is uh, basically a giant bush. <laughs> yeah yeah it is <laughs> it's like you look at like a member of rat and they've been in like four other glam bands that are like really well known yeah another thing to say about this album is that i would think that if you were going to pick the number one most iconic glam metal album cover i think this would be it yeah this pretty much nails the aesthetic because it's and, it's it's um, it's um it's the one that everyone would talk about how you know they look like women like they've got full-on makeup and yeah. and it's very glossy and it's just their four faces and then you've got you've got uh uh, uh ricky who's who's making like a kissy face Dude, I, I, you know, I've got to be perfectly honest. I'm straight as they come but you know two or three beers would convince me that you know, at least CC and Ricky were were pretty damn hot. Let's <laughs> let's be real here. You know, it only take a little bit. Brett and Bobby do kind of have like a kind of scary. There's a penis in here kind of vibe. Yeah. But the the two at the bottom. I don't know, man. Like that's to be so- soccer mom's gone wild. Shit going on there. <laughs> yeah. To be completely honest, though, all I remember from being younger is that you had a band like Poison who dressed up like girls 
And then you had a band like Vixen who were girls who were to me less attractive than poison. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, man, they fucked up on that one. (laughs) Anyway, no, no offense to Vixen. They're, they're lovely, but, um, I've not, like, like I said, they, there's some, there's some fire bitches in poison. <laughs> so yeah, um, so so is that is that your? Did we get through all of the tracks? We did, we did. Let me get yeah, to the show. Did. Hell yeah, awesome. I'm looking at Vixen now, and I <laughs> I gotta say, like they're hot, but I don't know. I feel like my entire reality is being ripped apart before my very eyes. Yeah, like, damn. It's it's they, they weren't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, maybe I'm just very picky. I have no idea. But um, anyway, so let's, uh, let's move on to my number two. Um, so uh, um, my number two is, and this is, so God, uh, the, these next two albums I love so much with all my heart. Hell yeah. And um, this one is not a perfect album, but I kind of love the imperfections that are on it. My number two is Flesh and Blood, the 1990 album from Poison. And nice. We already covered the fact that it's more of a, it's more of a, it's not serious. It's just not as overly happy, I guess. It's going, it's got yeah. happy stuff. I don't know the word I'm looking for. It, it doesn't sound as glam metal as, as, as the, the first two or glam rock. It's not, it doesn't have the same, um, let's go out and party vibe. It's more of a, just a, a rock album. It feels more down to earth, I would say. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah. And 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 yeah, like I already said, it's it's proof that 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 the quote unquote hair bands were already trying to tone things down or just be more ambitious with their songwriting and not necessarily just try to be you know a rock and roll party cliche all the time. Um, and honestly, even though this is my number two, technically, I would consider this an improvement over open up and say, ah, just in their overall approach and songwriting and ambition, they really took a big step here. And unfortunately for them, I think for people who don't know the album very well, that big step isn't apparent because all you know is unskinny bop, which is the one that sounds the most like something from the past two albums. And my history with this album is interesting because I told you, like I didn't really get into poison until I was, you know, in my late, in my teens. And, but when this album came out, I don't remember who, but somebody gave me a cassette copy of this album as a joke present. And I went home and I listened to it and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Like I'm just, yeah. and, I, and I remember listening to it quite a few times and thinking like, this is poison. And this is, you know, a lot of these songs are pretty cool. And but then some reason it just didn't connect with me until years later, where I finally went, oh yeah, it is a fucking badass album. But um, the things that I liked about it were were the um, even back then there is like some of these songs, like like I'll 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 say a, a big one for me is like uh, uh, ride the wind and um, you know something to believe in and oh life goes on like those are all songs where. As a songwriter, you hear how 
I don't know who the main writer was. I'm assuming it was a lot of Brett Michaels, but he had such a good sense of melody and how to yeah. put a vocal melody over the music in a way that just felt so pleasing that I understand why they were so popular. And, but, but if you're not like us and you're willing to admit that you like a good pop song, then I could see why this would be off putting, but they're just, they were just so good at crafting these kind of songs. And like I said, they wrote these songs. They didn't have any, outside songwriters like a lot of bands did and the big reason why this ends up being number two and actually being over look what the cat dragged in is because they didn't just rest on a formula that had been successful they expanded upon it and did a more ambitious album ambitious in the sense of poison but they really did take a step forward with this album and it to me it works the my only gripe is that it's a bit too long I really do think a couple songs at the end could have been cut off. And yeah. honestly, if they had done that, I don't know which ones. Um, probably Poor Boy Blues and, I don't know, maybe may, yeah, maybe just the last two. I don't know. All I know is that this album had has the potential of being my number one. It just gets dragged down by the fact that not all the songs are winners, but most of them are. And so, um, yeah, it's, I, I just, I think this is a fabulous album and I do think that it seems like in hindsight, people don't talk about this album that much. And at the time it was a big deal. I think it was a really big hit for them. And it was, you know, I think critically, even, I think a lot of people were like, Oh, this is a pretty damn good record. But for some reason, when you talk about Poison now, I don't think anybody ever really mentions Flesh and Blood, which is unfortunate because it's it's just a really strong album. And 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 by the way, another little 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 tidbit, just me, you know, um, bragging about my collection. I I have the the vinyl version with the original cover that has the the real oh the blood on it. it, it, it well, it's like it's it's yeah it's it's the, it's blood and it looks really it looks really sore. Like under, yeah. the, under the tattoo. Um, but yeah, I think this album is great. And it's, to me, it, like I talked about earlier when I was going off on the vibe of the music scene around this time, um, I feel it in this album and it's just so much fun to listen to. And there's just some legit great songs on it. And so it's that's why it's my number two. Sweet. So we pretty much know we're going to match up on the number one. Of course we are. Hell yeah. So uh, let's let's just let's just open up and say. Ah! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You'll find th- him in the castle of. Uh, <laughs> perhaps he was dictating. Anyway, that I, was a Monty I, Python reference. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this album, man. <laughs> like this this feels like a this feels like a greatest hits album. And it's just an album of theirs, you know? I literally have that in my notes. This seems like a greatest yeah. hits album. It like follows up the debut with more gloss but retaining the good time vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh Love on the Rocks, great opener. 
Nothing But A Good Time is the absolute embodiment of Poison's ideology. Back to the Rockin' Horse, great fun song. Mm-hmm. Good love, sleazy and fun. Tearing Down the Walls, that riff is fucking killer. Yeah. L- Look But You Can't Touch is the anthem of cock blockers everywhere and and look look but you can't touch it blows my mind that that wasn't a single yeah like that's how strong this album is they had an album that could have been a hit and they did not put it out as a single they didn't (laughs) need to (laughs) it's fascinating when you have such memorable hooks on even the album's deep cuts yes like how did they even pick i reckon it was a coin toss to see we can we can't put the whole album out as singles, guys. Well, We've I think to... when it comes to nothing but a good time, that one's obvious. That one is yeah. That one is to me like one of the best pop songs ever written. It just happens to be a a rocking kind of pop song, but that just feels good every time you hear it. Yeah, like Fallen Angel, like softer, nice track, but you know. This is where I this is where I put it sounds like a greatest hits album because all of the tracks are just insanely memorable. Every rose has its thorn. Poison's most well-known song by a country mile. That song it has, you know, ascended beyond just being a glam ballad. It is in like the public consciousness. Shit, man. It's, it's, it's so it's like, like the, a couple of nights ago, I was watching an episode of Chappelle show where yeah. every rose has its, its thorn gets played in the in one of the sketches. I'm like, it crossed over to where it's just like everyone knows every rose has its thorn, not just rock fans. Yeah, it's it's just one of those, isn't it? It's like it's like you go on Spotify and they have like the top five most well known tracks, and there's always that one song yeah. that has a ridiculous amount right at the top, and then beneath it is is a song that did extremely well, but like has less than half of what the top one is. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Your mama don't dance. Now this totally validates a comment. I recently saw in the everything glam metal nightclub Facebook group. That's a fucking awesome group <laughs> as well as old head bangers as well. Um, but like it said something along the lines of, Poison are essentially a 50s doo-wop group with their amps turned up to 10. and Yeah, they just write like, pop music with loud guitars. It, yeah, it's pretty much it. Like, if if this song isn't, like, the blueprint for what Poison is at, like, its bare roots, this is it. And then Bad To Be Good is fucking groovy. And honestly, I don't, there's not a single dip in quality or enjoyment on this album. Agreed. Because each... Each song, it it really does feel like a greatest hits. You know, there's there's moments on look where the, look what the cat dragged in where like the quality will like dip slightly but still be really good. Mm-hmm. And you know, same same goes for Flesh and Blood. But this one is just so incredibly consistent across the board. Um, and it doesn't you know overstay its welcome either. There's nope. it's it's all killer no filler for thirty six straight minutes. It's and, shit. Um, I mean, you've lit, lit almost everything written on my piece of paper. You already said because <laughs> I, I absolutely agree one hundred percent. It is the quintessential Poison album. It is the definitive statement that Poison made. And while, yeah. like I said, you know, before 
in many ways, flesh and blood is, you know, is superior, but will never be as recognized as, as the original. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I remember so like so when I got really into this album, I believe it was around my senior year of high school, and so this is 1996 when Poison was not cool, and I remember wow. I had a, I had a cassette copy of of uh, Open Up and Say Ah, uh, and I was just I blasted it from my car for probably. I, I, I on and off for the entire like like all of 1996. I'm sure it was just in rotation where I just kept <laughs> putting it back in because I was just like I guess probably in 1996 I was like I it felt good because nobody was making music like that. Yeah. And you know, and so it's just one of those things where it became like an infectious album almost 10 years <laughs> later for me. <laughs> and yeah, it's there is no it's it's front to back a great album, and it's I don't I don't, honestly don't have anything else to add. You said all the things it's it that I that I wanted to say. It's it's just so fucking good. And once again, it's got a pretty iconic album cover with the the girl with the insanely long tongue. Which you know I'm assuming that was yeah. fake. I don't think I don't think she had a real tongue like that, but. Um, <laughs> And, uh, it's a and, distant relative of Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah, and it was and it was censored. Like the version that I always saw growing up just had her eyes. And it's funny when you think about it now. In the in the in the it, like in the the current climate with what you can get away with. The, at yeah. that point, the thing that the thing that the conservatives were worried about was, well, she's got a long tongue. What are they going to think about that? <laughs> <laughs> It, it's hilarious to me, especially now that we live in an age where WAP exists. Yeah. And, c- like, can you imagine the fucking outcry if WAP came out in, like, 1988 when the PMRC thing was just raging it, along? It would have been number one, and I would have loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing, is that so many... that it's it, it, gets, it gets very tiresome, all of these old dudes, old rock dudes coming out of the woodwork because now they're mad that girls are making nasty music and doing nasty performances. And they're all just like, you wouldn't have been able to do this in the 80s. And I'm just like, well, what's your fucking point, dude? And why are you so mad that women are being sexy? Like, why does that bother you so much? And so it's just ridiculous. And it just goes with my my opinion that a lot of... um, Older people, especially rockers, are lame, um, and they're boomers. all be- they're and they're all becoming <laughs> yeah they're boomers. They're all becoming their parents though. Like they're all yeah. doing the same thing. Like well, it's so not ironic. like and, and I'm and the weird thing is I have a channel called Old Head referring to the fact that I prefer music that's old school, but I'm not an asshole about it. Like I want the young people to have their moment and whatever, whatever it is that's making them feel something, even if it's sexual or, or, or violent or whatever the fuck it is. Like I'm never going to say, I don't want to listen to, to a lot of the newer music, but I remember what it feels like to be young and have somebody tell me this is wrong. What you're listening to. This is not as good as, as, Pat Boone or whatever, you know, I'm just like, 
And fuck you. And so like I say fuck you to the to the adults of the past and now I say fuck you to the adults of now cuz I'm just especially yeah. now that I'm <laughs> I'm of the age where I, if I was going to start being like that, it's already passed. I'm 43 now. So it's like I and I, that that's never kicked in for me. Like I'll still yeah. hear you know, like like stuff like the mumble rap stuff. They just I just don't get it, and I'm just like, I'm just like, why would you make? Yeah, I just I just don't understand why you would make that choice to listen to that or make that music. But at the same time, I realize that that's not I'm not the demographic. I'm not young anymore, that's and so thing. so that music is still totally valid in the history of music. That is valid. Um, WAP is just as valid to me as uh, uh, Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen. Would I prefer yeah. to listen to Van Halen? Absolutely. But they're both, it, it, it's, it's all, I don't know. It's all, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all just music. And, yeah. and like we, like we talked about before on another episode, you know, a hundred thousand years from now, nobody's going to remember any of this shit anyway. So the fact <laughs> that you're wasting your time complaining about stuff instead of just enjoying what you enjoy is, uh, is ridiculous. And so, and that, and I think that that's a good way to cap off poison. Cause I think poison is a band that people are, they seem sometimes afraid to just let themselves enjoy music. Yeah. And, and if you can let yourself just enjoy music, poison is, it's fucking fun, especially their first three releases. Obviously, obviously, it's not. Don't go to Holly Weird, you know, because <laughs> that's that's a little bit rough. But still, um, the fact that these guys did put out these three, I'll even say four, really great albums. Um, yeah. Just just like we said with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I I consider myself a Poison fan, even though I have no desire of owning the last few things that they put out. So. And that's okay, because sometimes, because <laughs> sometimes bands miss the mark, and you know, as as long as, as long as you enjoy at least something they put out, they they brought value into your life, you know. I I, I, I remember I met a guy when I was in my twenties that I worked with, and he his attitude towards music was he was never a fan of a band; he was only fans a fan of an album. And he was like, he was like, and wow. it makes he was like, it makes it much easier for me because I don't put all my faith in these dudes do constantly doing things I like. I just hear what I hear, and if it's an album that connects with me, I like that album. But I don't have to worry about do I like what came before it or came after it. And there's a part of me that goes, that's kind of a wise way to look at things because you're you're not adding so, all this extra pressure on it. Yeah, it's refreshing. That's a, that's a refreshing viewpoint. And strangely, it's one that I've somehow never encountered in like 11 years of being a music fan, yet it just seems like such a simple thing that no one's thought of, you know? Yeah. And I mean, but but the, <laughs> but you have to admit, I'm sure there are artists because I know there are for me where you like one album and you probably own the one album, but have no desire to own any of the other albums by that particular band. There's, there's got to be several. I, I would say. I, I think it, it's so, I, so much of a case of it is for me is until I've given a band the fairest possible shot I can give them, I don't write them off. It's like, say for example, 
for me, ACDC, I know all of the hits, but I feel like at this present time, I'm not currently like ready to do a deep dive. But when I do eventually finally get the bug to do the deep dive, I am going to fucking love it. Because there are bands that even now, that when I first got into like rock and metal, I just didn't get back in like 2010. And a big era for me with that is like the 60s and 70s, because as I've gotten older, I understand the music more. Yeah. Um, Whereas for me... The 80s and the early 90s were obviously a little closer to me because they're not as far away in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And I kind of grew up around that. And so it was familiar for me. Whereas when I started branching out, I was like, oh, there's stuff to be found in here. Oh, I actually really like this. All of a sudden, I know all of the Kiss albums and I don't regret my choice. Yeah. But it's like, I will give a band like the fairest possible shot, like I say, before I write them off and say, eh, they're not for me. But, but if you, but I mean, if you, if there's an album that you like and the rest of them don't do anything for you, it doesn't, you don't immediately write off that one album, you know? It's, yeah. And so it, it's funny because that attitude either completely validates our podcast or completely makes our podcast unnecessary because <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you're looking at things just as albums then um you know do we really need to worry about the discography of a band <laughs> are, are are the ones uh, about the years more appropriate either way it's still just you know opinions but um yeah it's a, a bit it's of fun an, it's an interesting way to look at it it's nothing but a good time absolutely that is a good way to wrap up this episode sir hell yeah and um so yeah, um, poison, you know, great. <laughs> Good job, boys. Um, oh, I, hang on. I got one last thing. Okay. I remember I, I was at one time by sheer fluke, I was in a science lesson and I know this sounds too good to be true, but some, I was handed like the ultimate metalhead question you could ever get. And to be honest, I'm kind of wondering because the science teacher was actually really cool and would put on, like, rock and metal music in the background of, Mm -hmm. like, lessons and stuff. But, like... Sorry, I thought I saw a UFO there for a second out of my window. (laughs) I got completely sidetracked there. There is, like, a bright white light just hovering, and I think it's a helicopter. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, as as I was saying, it's, like, just... uh, this science teacher turned to me specifically and said, okay, Eddie, what's the difference between poison and venom? <laughs> and, and I was like, we really doing this? <laughs> uh, and it is, I kind of looked at my friend who was also a metalhead next to me and he started giggling and the science teacher did as well. None of the rest of the class got it, but it was just this cool like moment where we were like, yeah, one's thrash and one's glam. <laughs> Just like this yeah. little thing to ourselves. Oh, yeah. God, that is a blast from the past. I haven't thought about that in years. Wow. Trip down that's memory what, that's lane. What this show is, that's, that's what this show is all about. Opening up yeah. memories, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's all we got for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. Um, 
And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm so once again, I'm very bad at closing episodes, but um, peanut butter platypus, if you know what that means. And um, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with May, a different a little bit of a different thing going on. Is that next week that we're doing this? We're having a meeting right here in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we might be, we might be t- taking the podcast to strange new places. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we, we've, we're, we're all about trying to open this thing up. Um, the, for those of you who listened to the last episode, no, it's not the hip hop episode yet, but um, <laughs> we're going to get there. Um, and um, holy shit. I've all of a sudden something playing in my ear. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> um, where, I don't even know what I was saying. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Go the, ahead. The, the secret project. The secret project. Where, yes. Where yeah. I'm it's going to be a little up. bit of a different thing um, because, uh, you know, while we're always going to be cranking and ranking, we always we would also like to do some other things, too. So, um, yes, join us next time as usual. Um, one, like I, like I always say, if you're watching this on YouTube, please go subscribe to Eddie Sparks. He's got a lot of cool shit on YouTube, but that's all we got for this week. Any last words? Are you, are you ready to wrap it up? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think this, this has been a, this has been a fun one. Yeah. And, uh, I've, I finally got to listen to a bunch of albums that I wrote off for exactly the reasons that I thought I was writing them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, All right. But yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, on that note, um, the, um, we have been cranked and ranked. You have been a lovely audience. And now, Mr. Eddie Sparks, please take us out. Play him off CC. Later, dude.